You may be seated. Doesn't that just feel good just to say thank you sometimes? Oh, love that song. I hope you do. Actually, it doesn't matter. We're going to put it on the set list a lot. Um, I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands tonight because I know that probably everybody in this room and everybody watching online, at some point in our lives, you, you've made an emotional decision that you regret. And it's, it's, it's just human, it's just who we are. Sometimes we get so emotional and when we get super emotional, our ability to think rationally goes out the window. Am I correct so far? I was talking to a, a cup, uh, I had some friends one time and they were dating and this was, it was gonna be a train wreck. You just saw it from, the, they, they, they got together and oh my gosh, we are, he's the one, she's my person. I was like, oh yeah, she's the person that's about to mess up your life. Anyway, they got together and um, they dated, I mean, it was really serious for like, like four days and then, and then it ended. And when it ended, they were both super emotional about it. And uh, so I called him, check on him, make sure he was okay. Called her, check on her. I was like, you okay? She said, yeah, yeah, but I gotta get off this phone. She said, I gotta go to PetSmart. And that confused me because I, I didn't like that. Is that where sad people go? Is that where you go where you break up? And I said, I said, why are you gonna go to PetSmart? She said, I'm going to buy a cat. And I said, let's, let's think about this for just a second. Let's walk through it. First of all, it's a cat. And um, that's not a good idea. And because and, they weren't supposed to be on the ark. The unicorns didn't make it and the cats did. That's the problem. But second of all, I said, I, I said, I don't think this is gonna be the best decision. She's like, no, I've always wanted a cat. I'm getting a cat. I was like, go get your cat. Two weeks later, she's like, I hate this cat. I was like, I told you so. So she gave it to a family that loves cats because there's like four out there. And so she gave it to the family that loves cats and everything was fine. But it reminded me about how some of the decisions I've made. And it brought me around to the game of football. I know it's crazy, but stay with me for just a second. Um, over a decade ago, I got invited to travel with the Clemson football team to their opening game in Georgia, which they actually won that year. But we, we traveled down to Georgia. I got to ride on the bus with them and I rode on the offense bus. And so we're, we're, getting, on the, we're getting on the bus and all the players are getting on and I'm riding up front with the coaches and all these offensive coaches are getting on and they've got a eight and a half by 14 piece of paper. It's laminated, color coded on both sides and they're staring at this piece of paper. They're just staring at it the whole time. So I sat, I was sitting next to the receiver's coach and he had this piece of paper and here's what you know, here's what you need to know about sitting next to me. If you sit next to me and you're reading something, whether it's in, or on phone, I'm, I'm gonna read it too. And because I'm always looking for sermon illustrations. So you better hold your phone like this. And so I'm, I'm sitting there looking at this thing and curiosity, I didn't know what it was. Curiosity got the best of me. And I said, I said, hey, um, what, what is that? And he looked at me and he went, oh, that's our game plan. I said, awesome. What's a game plan? Because I, I didn't like, he's talking to me like I knew. And, I, and he said, oh, you have no idea. I said, I have no idea. And he went on to tell me that they had just about every scenario that Clemson was gonna face in that game mapped out on a piece of paper. He said, for example, if we're on this side of the 50 and they're in a 4-3 defense, we're gonna run this play because it's gonna work 80% of the time. They had put so much time and energy and research into this game plan. And he kind of looked at me because I, I guess I looked dumbfounded. And he's like, what are, you, what are you so surprised? I said, I just thought y'all just called random plays. I didn't know how y'all did it. I was like, uh, run the ball, just run it. And on defense, tackle the guy with the ball, go. Like, I didn't know there was like an actual plan to this game. But he walked, and I asked him, I said, why do y'all, 
Um, I, ultimately, I know you want to win, but why do you put so much planning into this? And he said to me, this is what he said to me. This is crazy. He said, when we get into a game, both players and coaches get highly emotional. And then he says to me, something I already said earlier, he said, highly emotional people do not make great decisions. So we've got to have something that we can come back to that grounds us and keeps us focused on winning the game. And I thought, oh my gosh. I started thinking about the church needs like a game plan. And I started thinking about us as individuals, that we need a game plan for success. And I shared this earlier on social media this week, but I'll share it to people that maybe saw it and forgot it or didn't like it, or you did like it, but you didn't read it. That happens sometimes. I know, I understand. I'm not judging because I do it too. I want, I want for everybody who attends this church to be spiritually successful in your life. I want for everybody in this room tonight to, to experience what it's like to have the power of God work in and through you in ways that you could have never imagined. That's what I want for everyone in this room, everybody watching online, everybody that calls Second Chance Church home. That's what I want. But that doesn't happen unless we, unless we plan and prepare for it. And we do that as a church, but I'm talking about us as individuals. Now, every once in a while, I'll, have, I'll run into people and they'll say, I ain't got time for all that. I ain't got time for all that. And I'm like, but... but but you do, because to guys, when they tell me, I don't have time for that, I'm like, show me your fantasy football team. Yeah, and it gets real quiet. And to women, I go, show me your Pinterest board. Yeah, and women, I always say this, but I gotta say it. You know what, Pinterest, Pinterest is women. Pinterest is porn for women, because you're looking at something you'll never get, okay? You just need to know that. It's, you're never gonna make that cake, sweetheart. That, that couch is never gonna look that good. In fact, she photoshopped it. That's the only reason it looks that good in her house. All I'm saying is we've got time. We've got the time. And, it, and it's not super difficult. In fact, let me just allude to this. I forgot to say this this morning. Um, for some of us, just signing up for that devotional can be a step towards, that's a, that's a plan. Every morning at seven o'clock, I'm gonna get into God's word. That's a, it's, a, it's a step forward. It's, a, it's, it's making progress, Correct. I mean, we're moving the ball down the field. There's one person, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Everybody else is like, I don't know, man. Some of them suck. They might, but hey, you get what you pay for. Hello, thank you very much. So tonight, I thought we would start out this series by talking about how to like, get the foundation of our game plan settled in. How do, we, how do we really, really, really get focused on where we need to go in our personal walk with Jesus and what we need to do in our personal walk with Jesus? And there's, we were kind of going back and forth over a bunch of different books, but we chose the book of 1 Peter because if there's anybody on the planet that had no idea what Jesus was gonna do in and through his life, it was Peter. Peter wrote two books in the New Testament. First and Second Peter. They weren't very creative back then, so he just called it First and Second Peter. And uh, we chose 1 Peter because it's got five chapters and we're doing this series for five weeks. And after that, we're doing a series for the women because we did a series for the men. And then now we're gonna do a series for the women and men about, what about us? We're gonna do a series. We're gonna call it a series for women and the men who love them, okay? It's gonna be, it'll be, it's gonna be so much fun, so much estrogen in the room. It'll be amazing. Watch this. 1 Peter chapter five, or, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter one, verse one says this. This letter is from Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've ever read the Bible, 
any of the Gospels, you know that sentence is a miracle. Because when we first meet Peter, he wasn't really like apostle material. He wasn't, nobody looked at Peter and said, man, that guy right there, one of these days, he's going to have cathedrals named after him. Nobody thought that. He was a fisherman in a hick town called Capernaum on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he had no idea. So that sent it, like, when I read that, when I was getting ready, I was, I was sitting down, I was super excited. I was like, first week, I'm gonna preach on chapter one, and that's as far as I got. Because I was like, we need to talk about that. We need to talk about how that happened. How did Peter get to apostle with a, of, of Jesus Christ? It's a great question. In Luke chapter four, a few weeks ago, we talked about this. Remember, Jesus started his ministry, and if you were here, you remember that first sermon he preached where they almost killed him? He was like, a, he wouldn't even pass his introduction, and they, they took him to the cliff. And so he was like, fine, I'll go somewhere else. So he goes to Capernaum. And uh, in Luke chapter four, earlier in Luke chapter four, he's actually in Peter's house. How cool would that be to have Jesus show up at your house? I'm sure people were like, hey man, hold this water bottle for a minute. You know what I'm saying? So, because he had performed, anyway, stay with me, stay with me. So John 2, he turned water into wine. That's church joke. All right, obviously fell flat. That's fine. It's my, my fault. I'll get you back. He, he was in Peter's house, and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. She was sick, and Jesus just walks over and touches her. She gets up and starts waiting on everybody. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Hold on, hold on. No, 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 wait, wait. I just, I want to talk about this a few weeks, but I wanted to point it out. When she gets touched by Jesus, the first thing she wants to do is serve. Huh. Isn't that, I'm sure that was, it was just there, so I just, it was too good to leave there. And then, can you imagine Peter seeing his mother-in-law get healed? It's probably why I denied Jesus three times. But anyway, he, he was, I'm just, this is a church joke, okay? It's, pretty, it's just easy, we use it. So this is, Peter knows who Jesus is and Jesus obviously knows who Peter is and Peter had no plans on following Jesus but Jesus had plans for Peter. And we see these begin to, unra- to, to like develop, not unravel, but develop in Luke chapter five, verse one. One day as Jesus was standing at the lake of Gennesaret, which is also the Sea of Galilee, and sometimes they called it one thing, sometimes they called it the other, I don't know why. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now, I want to point out a couple things in this verse because I think it's huge and important. Um, Jesus, obviously, and then there was a crowd because he was preaching the word of God. So Jesus, crowd, and word of God. And the reason I bring that up is because I don't care where you are on the political spectrum. I don't care if you're far right I don't care if you're far left. One of the things that we have to agree on is far right and far left media, they don't actually report the news. They report their opinion and they disguise it as news. Can we agree on that? Can we all agree? Okay, so here's why that's important. It's because I read far right and far left stuff all the time. I'm obsessed with it. It's it's like a secret hobby. I, I just, I get in, I read what this person says, and this, I'm, I'm obsessed. 
One of the things, though, that bothers me, and I read articles on this all the time. It's funny. People send me articles about how the church is in decline. The church is not growing. People are leaving the church in record numbers. And next generation, they're walking away from the church. And, and the reason that bothers me is because it's not true. Or actually, it's partially true. People are leaving certain churches. Woke churches. Because woke churches make you weak. But churches that preach the gospel will make you wise. And the reason I know that, the reason I know that is because Jesus was preaching the word of God and he had a crowd. Jesus is preaching the good news and he has a crowd. And I see what's happening in our church. We have two packed out morning services. And by the way, this one is starting to get more and more and more full. And, it's, and I'll tell you why. Because the only flag we will ever fly in this church is the Jesus flag. Hello. So, it, so this is how the story starts. And watch this. Verse 2. He saw, Jesus saw at the water's edge, two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Anybody love to fish? Anybody love to fish? Raise your hand. I'm not gonna make fun of you. Ryan, yeah, Ryan. Ryan called a fish in my, in my I got a pond. Me and Shannon have a pond. Like a, it's a retention pond. Don't get excited. It's a retention pond. I didn't, when we moved in, everybody told us there was fish in that pond and Ryan came over and caught one. I didn't even know he caught one. He caught a fish. And then you had one that got away, didn't you? You come back and get him? All right, okay, I'm just making sure. So these guys are fishing all night, but not for fun. This is how they made their living. So Peter basically works third shift. He gets off work. He hadn't caught anything. So is he frustrated? Absolutely. Is he tired? Yes. All he wants to do is wash his nets and go home. That's all he wants. He's got, so he's got his nets out and he's getting all the empty beer cans out and all the stuff and everything. And just, he's just, and he's, he's in the crowd. He's in the crowd, but he's not really there because Jesus is there. He's, he's there, but he's not really paying attention to Jesus. And I thought, oh my gosh, we have, we have people at second chance to do that. You're in church, but sometimes we get preoccupied. Don't, I'm not judging you. I, the first time I went to church, the first time I went to church, I didn't go to church because I wanted to experience the presence of God. I didn't go to church because I heard the music was amazing. I went to church because somebody told me there were hot girls at this church and they were right, but they were also crazy. They, didn't, they just left that part out and that's another message for another time. And the first time I was at church, I wasn't listening to the preacher. I was checking out, man, she got on a short skirt and those legs look good. Like I was just, I was not there for the purest motives on the planet. But you know what happened over time? Jesus was like, all I want to do is get you in the door. I kind of, I look back, I, I, can, I can see Jesus laughing going, you're on my time now. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because in this church, I look around and sometimes there are people, there are people that are doing one of these and just so you know, in my heart, I don't judge you. I tell myself you're taking notes. That's what I do, because I have to make myself feel good. But, you're, but when you start doing this, you're playing Candy Crush. You, you are, you, you, you are, you really are. 
And so, um, I mean, I, I love you, but, but knock that crap off and listen, okay? I mean, they, like, I'm, we get preoccupied, but it's okay. Because when you, get in, when you get into a place that's got the presence of God, you can't go unaffected very long. So Jesus is there, he's preaching, and Peter's listening to him, and he's probably paying him a little bit of attention because he did heal, he, you know, he was in the house, healed the mother-in-law, and then watch what Jesus did. Because Jesus wasn't, like we talked about this a few weeks ago with Matthew, same thing with Peter. Peter wasn't looking to follow Jesus, but Jesus, Jesus was looking for Peter. So watch what happened. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and talked to people from the boat. Question, if you're Peter, all you want to do is wash your nets and go home. Maybe stop at the Waffle House. I'm sure they had one back then because there's one everywhere. So stop at the Waffle House and go home. Like that's all you want to do. And you're looking and Jesus over here teaching and he stops and you look and he's heading and you're like, oh, no, 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 not that boat. Not that boat. God, not that boat. God, the boat. <laughs> and Jesus is like, hey, hey, Peter, is this your boat? Yeah, could would you, would you come over here and just kind of push it out from shore and I'm gonna get in it and teach? Question, at this moment, do you think Peter was excited? Yes or no? No. no. Peter was like, you stupid, you know, boats. What'd you say? Nothing. It's kind of like when my, I remember my dad used to be like, hey, go cut the grass. I was stupid grass. What'd you say? I was like, I love cutting grass. That's all I said. I was just talking about how much I love to cut the grass because if you told the truth, I wouldn't be walking right now. That's, that, that was my dad. So Peter, and this is what I want to share. We've been told, we've been told, you've got to have a fully surrendered heart to follow Jesus. Somebody forgot to tell Peter? Because he's doing what Jesus said and he's mad about it. And if you have never done something that Jesus told you and you're mad about it, you've never followed Jesus. Because God will speak to you and go, you need, to, you need to forgive that person. You forget. I did. Now it's up to you. Okay, well, got that. You need to say you're sorry. You need to let that person go first. God, I was here first. Like, I, that, like we, we get mad. So here goes Peter, and he's walking over. He probably gets in the boat, pushes out a little bit, and he's just sitting there going, man, just land the plane, dude. You're talking forever. And then the next verse happens. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that is beautiful. When he had finished speaking, and you could almost put up here in parentheses to the crowd, he said to Simon, so, so Jesus had a message for the crowd and he had a message for the individual in the crowd. And the reason I love that so much is because every Sunday, I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt, God has a message that he wants to bring to this church. There's not a doubt in my mind. Because when I stand on this stage, I promise you, I pray over these things, I put them together. I, but before I get up on a Sunday morning, I've preached every message. I preach about 20 to 25 times, making corrections, praying through it the whole time. Like, I know what God wants to say to our church. And I'm confident in that. I'm confident that God wants our church to get a message. But then, 
he also wants to speak to you. And he might say something to you in a message that has nothing, true story. I'm standing in the lobby one day. I just did a message on baptism. It, just did, it was a baptism message, y'all. It was the typical, it was like what I preached last week. I'm gonna stand under, nobody's out, I never lost anybody in the baptistry. You're gonna get wet, the wet center. I told every, all my baptism one-liners, I used them all. It was great. We had people signing up for baptism. I'm high-fiving people. A couple comes up to me in the lobby and they are weeping. You know when God's got a hold of somebody and they're just messed up? They are just messed up. I'm talking snot messed up. I'm not talking about tear in the eye messed up. That's a little messed up. This is like snot all over them and they're trying to hug me and I'm like, you know what, I'm not into hugs right now. Let's kind of do that shoulder bunny, yeah. And they said, thank you so much for that message. I said, did y'all sign up for baptism? They said, no, we, we know now that we gotta work on our marriage. I said, well, that's, that's awesome, but, uh, but I, preached on, I preached on baptism. Did you hear that one? Or were, were, did y'all have your ear pods in and y'all listening to somebody else talking about marriage? They were like, no, you said this. And I was like, I don't think I said that. But they told me I said something I don't think I said. And they went on to tell me how God used that message to get their marriage back on track. And that's how you know it's God. Because people will leave going, I've had people tell me, I thought, I felt like you were talking straight to me. Like, but I don't know your name. Like, I, like how can I talk to you? That's happened to me before. In this room a couple weeks ago, in this room, there was a speaker on this stage. It was an event. It was like a leadership event. Somebody asked me, did I want to come? I was like, yeah, I'll show up. I'm sitting right in the back. I'm kind of sitting back there. I really was taking notes on my phone. And the guy on this stage stood up and said, some of y'all just need to be thankful you got a second chance. And I was like, okay, there we go. And then he said, what are you going to do with your second chance? And I'm like, obviously, I'm not. Thank y'all for coming. This was for me. So, so you know God's working in a church when he speaks to the crowd, but he also speaks to you. And he said this, put out, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, this was gonna be a problem. And the reason this was gonna be a problem is because this isn't the way you did it. This was, a, this was something brand new. In this time period, you fished at night. The reason you fished at night is because the fish would go in deep water in the day and at night they would come up and they would feed and it was easier to catch the fish. And so you fish at night and, and you didn't fish in the day. So what Jesus was asking Peter to do was brand new. And some people have a problem with new things. Would you agree? Yes. I was talking to a lady a few weeks ago about this contract thing. I forgot what it was. It was something about signing a contract and and, uh, and getting it back, and, and she said, oh, she said, we can get, she said, I can send you this contract, and you can get it back to me really fast. What's your fax number? I said, my what? <laughs> she said, your fax number. I said, my fax number? She said, yeah, we have a fax machine. And I said, I, I didn't say. What I wanted to say was, ma'am, there's this thing called the internet. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> and I said, um, no, I don't, I don't have a fax machine. I have, a, I have an email address. Um, and she's like, oh, I don't have one of those. And I was like, okay, well, let me run out and get a fax machine. And as soon as you fax me, I'll hit you up on your pager to let you know that the fax came. Like, I'd have like, she was stuck on a fax. Now, fax machines were great. But like, she had a fax machine mentality in a 5G world. And don't we do that as Christians sometimes? 
We get stuck on what God did and we can't even see what God wants to do because what Jesus is asking Peter to do right here is something brand new. So with all that in mind, let me ask a question. What's the new that God wants to do in you? What's the new that God, see, y'all feel how uncomfortable it gets? God, I love that. That's when I know. See, you can make anybody shout while preaching, but, but when the room gets so intense, you could hear a rat fart. <laughs> Probably just messed it up. That's all right. We'll get it back. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. Now, let me pause real quick. Master, he called Jesus Master. Now, this wasn't like a, a term of like, he didn't really recognize who Jesus was. This was more like Mr. This was like, a miss, okay, Mr. Jesus, listen. I mean, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Don't you love it how we, like Simon, feel the need to explain to God how our life is? You're sitting there telling the creator of the universe what you just did. That's how we will go, oh God, this happened and this happened and this happened. And God's not in heaven going, oh my me. <laughs> Think about it. You're, I can't believe that is going on in your life. We love to tell Jesus how messed up what he just asked us to do is, master, we've worked hard. and We've worked hard. You didn't work. There's a, there's a, there's a he comes at him sideways a little bit. Why, listen, while you were asleep, counting sheep, creating sheep, like what the, with the sheep, like we were out here and we didn't catch a thing. Is it, can, can we all agree that he's resisting a little bit? Yes. Okay, good, 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 good. Watch this. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. <laughs> is this surrender? This is like, I'm gonna do it, but I don't like it. I'm gonna do it, I don't think it's gonna work. I'm gonna do it, but it's dumb. I'm gonna do it, but I, I just don't get it. But that phrase right there, that phrase, there's a phrase that caught my attention about 20 years ago and it rocked my world and it rock, has been rocking it ever since. It's because you say so, I will. Now that's a game plan because he already knows how the play's gonna turn out. That's why I'm wearing this shirt. Uh-huh. Because you say so. Some of y'all are like, that goes with the message. Can't get it past you, can without it does. This is, this is not Peter going, yes, Lord, I surrender, I'm yours, I'll do whatever. This is Peter following Jesus kicking and screaming the whole way. Have you ever done that? I have. Start a church. No, don't start a church. We'll start it on your phone. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Nobody's going to watch an iPhone 7 message. Get a building. Nobody's going to show up. Get another building. Why? Nobody's going to show up. I, I fought him the entire time. This whole time, I'm like, it's not going to work. Preparing this message, he's like, you think it's gonna work now? I was like, I have my doubts, but, but I, think we're, I think we're getting there. I think we're getting there. What is that thing in your life that you need to do, not because you feel like it, but because you know God said to do it? Because emotion, listen, I love emotions. I love being in this room and the band is playing 
and we're singing gratitude and hands are in the air and I've got, I've got chill bumps. I, I'm, I've got chills right now just think, I love that. And every once in a while, I'll run into somebody like, oh, y'all are just too emotional at the second chance. I'm like, well, I'm sorry if I'm emotional, but see, I follow a man that died on a cross for my sins and he rose from the grave and he reached down and he picked me up out of the pit and I, I shouldn't even be alive today. And so just hold on a minute while I shout a little bit and then I'll get back to you because there's a difference between reverence and rigor mortis. Hello. I didn't say that this morning. See, y'all get the good stuff at five. Because you say so, I'll let down. That's the only reason I'm doing this. Not because I want to, but because you say so. Watch this. When they had done so, God, this is huge. These five words. When they had done so. Not when they prayed about it. Peter didn't say, all right, y'all come here. Let's pray about it. You know, Jesus clearly said, should we throw this net over? So just make it so clear. They didn't do a Bible study on fishing like Jesus. They did it. And how many times, how many of us, like sometimes we just gotta stop talking about it and do it. Several years ago, several years ago, me and Karis were at the beach. I don't know if you've been to the beach, but man, there's some, there's some sketch stuff at any beach you go to. And one of them is that ride called the slingshot. You know what I'm talking about, the slingshot? I just don't, there's nothing in me when I see that, there's nothing in me that goes, wow, I want to do that. Every time I see it, I'm like, wow, that's how you die. And here's why. Just, just hear me out. I'm not being judgmental. But have you seen the people that put that together? They're not college graduates. They're not high school graduates. Listen, I'm not crying. I'm just saying, is that, are you going to trust your life? So they're out there putting it together and then they run it too. So all week long, Karis, she's like two or three years old, and she's, um, she, does not, she is not scared. Daddy, can we ride that? And I was like, absolutely, baby, because this is what I knew. She was too small and didn't weigh enough. And I didn't have to tell her no, because Billy Bob was going to tell her no. Pretty easy as a dad, right? So like the last day, we could, we're there, and we walk up, and Billy Bob's behind the counter, and I'm like, hey, man. I said, um... My daughter really wants to ride this slingshot thing you put together so well. But uh, she's only like three and she's not really tall and she doesn't weigh enough. And at the time I had about 40 more pounds on me and he went, yeah, she can ride it. <laughs> the mistake was I brought her with me because I couldn't go back and lie to her, right? So she's standing there, she's all excited. I went, but she's, she's tiny. And he looked at me and said, yeah, but you a big old boy. You would even it out. <laughs> I said, well, here we go. Now, I know what you're expecting. You're expecting me to tell you it was one of the most amazing, wonderful experiences. No, it sucked. It was horrible. I peed down my leg. It was, it was terrifying. I, I, like, I get, I get a knot in my stomach. But she had a ball. She loved it. She was laughing the whole time and I'm crying the whole time. We got a video of it. I'm not showing it because I might've said some words that are not in the Bible. But I, the thing is, I, I had to do it. I had to do it. I feel like, I feel like some of us tonight, we know that next step. We just keep 
finding reasons to not do it. Peter takes his net and he throws it out, not expecting a thing. So when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. God, this is what I love. Watch this. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came out and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. All because Peter said, because you say so, I will. Don't miss this. Because let me tell you what God wants to do in your life. Through our obedience, even though it's not easy, when we obey in his time, he will bring blessings back into our lives that we can't even handle. So much so that the blessings will begin to overflow and bless the other people around us. And that's how you know how Jesus is working in and through your life. Now you would think, I would think, because the first time I read this story, I was like, if if I was Peter, if I was Peter, I'd be like, you want to get in the business with us, the fishing business? Because you obviously know where the spots are, right? I've had it wrong this whole time. But watch what Peter does. This is interesting. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me. Huh. He went from sir to Lord. He went from respect to worship. Man, I remember when I made that change. I'd go to church. We'd be singing. And I'd stand, but I wouldn't sing. And I'd fold my arms. This is how I stood. Now, the reason I, I know this so well is because I can pick out the people that do this on Sundays. Mostly men. Oh, did y'all feel that? Let me push on this a little bit more then. Mostly men. And I would stand there. I'd be like, I'm not singing. I'm not singing. I'm not singing a song. I'm not singing. That's a good song. Okay, I can, I'll sing. I will sing. That's it. And then the people around me started raising their hands. And I would, I would fight it. I'd be like, no. Oh. <laughs> I've had men tell me, I'm not really a hand raiser. But we know that's not true. Because yesterday, when you were watching your favorite football team play and they scored, you went, You do raise your hands. You just picked a bad idol. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with church, you heard just somebody next to you go, hmm. They didn't moo, okay? We gotta explain that, because I went to church and the guy next to me mooed the whole time. He's not mooing. That's just a Baptist that don't really know how to say amen, okay? He's gonna get there, give him some time. He's he's a work in progress, okay? But... First of all, Peter recognizes that Jesus is not just a mister. He is Lord. And then, then he's, but he said, that, is this confusing anybody? Because go away from me. I'm a sinful man. In other words, I'm not, I'm not good enough for this. And in the ancient world, in the ancient world, people believed 
that if something unholy came in contact with something holy, the unholy thing would die. That's what they believed. Think back, if you've read through the scriptures and you know Isaiah 6, Isaiah 6, Isaiah walks into the temple and there's the presence of God and he's like, woe is me, I'm gonna die. And that's what Peter's doing right here. I'm gonna die. Why do we think that God wants to kill us instead of bless us? Why are we absolutely convinced that God wants to blow up our life? God will ruin my life. And I'm like, I, I did a pretty good job of ruining my life without God. I didn't need his help. But he, Peter goes, I'm gonna die, go away from me. And the Bible goes on to say, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. And I was thinking about this because God gets blamed for so much stuff and he doesn't get praised for nearly enough. Like if a plane crashes, which is the tragedy, the one of the first things you see is some famous atheist on TV going, where was God when the plane crashed? And I'm always the guy going, well, that's a tragedy, but what about the 10,000 that landed that he didn't get credit for? So we, I was looking at another contract. This one was emailed. Um, and it's a, it's a contract for our student camp that we're having next year at the beach. We're gonna go to Panama City for a student camp. It's gonna be awesome. Um, it's gonna be great. And so I was looking at this contract and it's less than five pages, so I'll read it. If it's more than five pages, I'm getting a lawyer involved because, and, um, and one of the, so when it talks about how you can get your money back, like you gotta give in a deposit, and then it talks about how you can get your money back, and it says one of the reasons we can get our money back is acts of God. And then it goes on to list three acts of God that qualify for us getting our money back. The first one is war. I'll start thinking if this, this thing in Ukraine keeps going, we can probably get some of our money back when we get back. I'm just trying to think of ways to make money, y'all. <laughs> Natural disaster. Natural disaster. Or other declared national emergency. And I'm looking at this list going, that's bad stuff. Why, why does an act of God always have to be something tragic? Why can't an act of God be something Beautiful, because I'm gonna tell you what an act of God is. An act of God is a baby being born. That's an act of God. When you have a tiny little human inside of you and the human comes out and fingers and toes and just be, like that's an act of God. A, a sunrise or a sunset, that's an act of God. We can, we can look at that and tell, man, we're not alone on this planet. There's somebody big. In fact, when we stand and look at the mountains, that's an act of God because I feel really small compared to those mountains. That's an act of God. The sunrise, the baby, the mountains, the, the shake machine at McDonald's working is an act of God. We know, we know. I just threw that in there to see if you're paying attention. Y'all are doing good tonight. Y'all are doing good. Thanks for staying with me. But we always blame God for the bad stuff when, when what about the good stuff? What about, the, what, about, what about how blessed we are? I, I, sometimes I lose sight of it. I got a text message the other day from a friend who's younger than me, younger than me. And uh, actually it was his wife and she said, hey, I'm taking so-and-so to the hospital. Uh, he's having problems breathing. I didn't know what was going on. So I was like, you know, I sent the standard praying for you back. And that night later on, I got a text message and said, he's an ICU. And I was like, man, 
So yesterday, Shannon and I went up to the hospital to see him. I walk in the room, and it just messed me up. He's, he's got oxygen. He's laying there. And when I, when I left, when I left the hospital, I couldn't, I couldn't quit thinking, man, I can breathe. I can, when's the last time I just thanked God for breath? Just air in my lungs. How much do we take for granted every single day? Got a text message this afternoon. One of our staff members this afternoon was in a horrible car accident. And I drive safely to and from this church every single Sunday. How, how much do we take for granted when we have so many opportunities just to say thank Thank you, God, for what you've done in our lives. Because I love Jesus' response. Peter's freaked out. And this is what Jesus says to Peter. And I think he said it with a smirk. I think he did. And Jesus said to Simon, watch this. Don't be afraid. That, that right there is the most repetitive command in the Bible. It's in the Bible in some shape, way, or form, 366 times, one for every day of the year, including leap year. He said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And Peter didn't know what that meant. He had no idea. He just knew that something incredible had happened because he had obeyed. So watch this. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Now that's the game plan. Every day I'm gonna wake up and do whatever it takes to fix my eyes on and follow Jesus. And during the day, whatever he asks me to do, I'm gonna do it, not because I think it's a good idea, but because he said so. I can't prove this, but I think at some point, Jesus rose from the dead all this stuff was blowing Peter's mind. Peter followed him for three years and got his mind blown. Here's some incredible teachings and sees some incredible miracles. And then Jesus predicts his own death and resurrection and then pulls it off. And he spent 40 days with the disciples. And I can't prove this. This is 100% just in my mind this happened. I can't prove it. But I'm imagining one of those nights they're sitting around the campfire and all the other apostles started kind of peeling off and going to... Sleep, and I can almost see Peter sitting by the fire looking at Jesus going, hey man, um, thank you for that day. I never said thank you. Thank you for that day that I wasn't interested in you, but you were interested in me. Thanking, thank you for pushing me when I didn't want to be pushed. And thank you for asking me to do that thing I had never done before and I can almost see Jesus looking back at him going oh Peter you still have no idea what I'm going to do through you I believe that's his message for somebody tonight if we will just pause for a second and say thank you I believe he will begin to help us understand that we don't have a clue about the immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine that he wants to bring into our lives. So with that in mind, would you, would you stand with me?
Jesus, I just want to, I just want to come before you tonight again with a heart of gratitude, saying thank you for who you are and for what you've done. And Jesus, right now, all over this room, I pray you would stir our hearts, God. Because some of us, we haven't followed you because we haven't been saying thank you. And when we thank you for what you've done, we're more likely to step into what you're gonna do. So Jesus, may you stir our hearts and our souls and our minds so we can be full of gratitude over these next few moments and lift this up to you with all our hearts and souls. How many people are thankful tonight? How many people are thankful tonight that we have a God who is good? Y'all pray with me. Jesus, you have obviously worked in this place all day. And I pray for those in this room and watching online right now, God, that we know we need to take that next step because you said so. And right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe some of us need to pray, God, give me the wisdom to know what's right and the courage to do what's right even if it's hard. God, give me the wisdom to know what's right and the courage to do what's right, even if it's hard. And maybe you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. That's a big step, but that's the step you know that you need to take. And if you're here tonight and you wanna to pray to ask Jesus Christ to come in your life, then in just a second, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And I'm gonna ask you just to repeat this prayer out loud. We pray it out loud here at Second Chance, but not alone because our entire Second Chance family is gonna pray this prayer with you so you will know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus supported by so many people in this room. So if you know you need to accept Christ tonight, you pray this with me at Second Chance family, let's make sure they don't pray it alone. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe, you died on the cross, I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave, rose from the grave to, pay for my sins. to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, right now, Jesus I, declare you as Lord, I declare you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, I want you to do me a favor if you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ into your life. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. So if that's you right now, right where you're standing, would you do me a favor and just put your hand up in the air and leave it up so I can see it. Leave it up for just a second so I can see it. Leave it up all over the room. I'm looking, looking, amen, amen, sir. That's awesome, amen. Anybody else? Amen, amen, amen. God, thank you. Thank you that all day, Jesus, that you've saved people in this place. Thank you that there is salvation in this house. Thank you that there's restoration in this house. Thank you that you are working and moving in people's lives. Father, I pray that those who pray to receive you tonight would walk out of here knowing that they have been made brand new. And for those walking out of here tonight that are saved, but know we need to take that next step. Jesus, fill us with the courage to do it. And everybody that agreed with this prayer said, amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Man, I love you guys. I hope y'all have a great week and we'll see y'all back next Sunday. <laughs>